This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. Mercury in retrograde. Those three little words can create such fear, such confusion, and such absolute chaos for so many of us. Whether we follow astrology or not, whether we think of astrology as a science or as an art form, when we hear that phrase, Mercury in retrograde, we all know, back up our hard drives, double proof all our communication, and keep our hands on every critical piece of data essential to our lives. Absolutely, do not sign any contracts, do not agree to any long-term commitments, and don't make any important decisions because Mercury is in retrograde. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if we could learn to use Mercury in retrograde as a time to review, to revise, to rethink, and even to refresh? Today, my guest is Gina Piccolo, and she is a certified astrologer and also a veteran journalist. She was a staff journalist for the LA Times and the Daily Beast. She's also freelanced for so many online and print publications. Today, as a counseling astrologer, Gina teaches astrology for smart people. And she's still a prolific writer, offering ebooks, free downloads, all sorts of information on astrology. And she offers trainings, webinars, and one on one sessions for clients. And if you're on Instagram, she hosts a weekly horoscope show every Sunday. And full disclosure, I'm a client of Gina's and I'm a highly satisfied one. Gina, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled you're here. And I know this is going to be one of the, the best podcasts because your information is so strategic, so practical, and so needed. So before we dump, jump into the Mercury and retrograde concerns, can you just detail some of the history of astrology? How did it start? So basically started by people looking at the sky and trying to make meaning of their lives, um, making correlations to the ways that the stars seem to be moving. They used to call the planets wandering stars um, to what was going on for them in their day to day lives. Uh, so this started thousands of years ago. And over time, astrology has kind of gathered up different myths and different um, pieces of information from different cultures uh, to coalesce really in the Hellenistic period with the Greeks um, to what we use most traditional and even modern astrologers use that template for making meaning based on the movement of the planets um, through you know our basically our local skies it's a way to place ourselves in time and space uh, and understand what that means, you know, how how the correlations between where we are in space happen to um, affect or suggest things going on in our lives. Um, I just have to add, for those people who are listening who may be wondering, like, astrology? Wow, really? Well, okay, how practical is that? But let's, let's just look at an example of the moon and the moon's mm -hmm. effects on tides. And right. as human beings, we're what, 85% water? Mm, so, something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Can you speak a little bit to um, the science of astrology? Because there is a science there. It is a system. So it uses, okay. it requires knowing some math and knowing some actual astronomy. Um, and, and then there's an intuitive piece of it. But yes, practically speaking, we are looking at um, the movement of heavenly bodies. Um, and, you know, although there is some 
belief among some astrologers, and I should say that astrologers in general are um, a very idiosyncratic bunch, and they have their own ways of using this system. So there's not a lot of agreement among all astrologers because there are many different types of astrology. And, and although they use the basic tools, there are a lot of different ways of using those tools. But the bottom line is that it, um, it involves, you know, actually tracking the movement of planets and then using that to create a grid basically, or a, a wheel that we learn, you know, as we would learn a foreign language, we learn how to interpret and apply it to real world and real personal life events, um, but also use it as a tool for personal growth. So it helps people understand themselves by, you know, understanding their, you know, their, their relationship with their environment, really, their relationship to you know, what was going on in the cosmos the moment they were born and how that shaped them as a soul, as a personality. Um, yeah. I, I, I love that practical application. That's one of the things I like about you so much because just full disclosure on my part, I've been following astrology, I want to say since about 78. I'll date myself. Um, can you dive into just the difference? And you mentioned it, just touched on it, a natal chart and a progressed chart. So there are many different kinds of ways that we can take a snapshot of your astrology. And one of them is to look at where the planets were um, in the zodiac the moment that you took your first breath. That snapshot becomes the natal chart. And it's basically a, um, you know, a circle, a wheel that's sliced into 30 different, I'm sorry, 12 different slices and has the symbols of the ancient symbols of all the planets in it. Um, that becomes, you know, the snapshot, the sort of your sort of GPS system for your soul to explain, you know, your strengths, your challenges, your fate, if you will. Uh, and how you can work with it and, you know, move through your life successfully and happily. And then there um, are other charts that we can do that are more theoretical. And a progress chart is one of them. The progress chart takes a look at where those planets were when you were born and then progresses them. I think it's a, uh, the sun would move um, a year for a day. So every day that the, the sun from the moment that you were born appeared to be, you know, moving in different parts of the sky, we take that and create a progress chart, which kind of looks at the arc of your life over the, you know, based on what was going on the moment you were born. So it is a more theoretical chart. It's not based in where the planets are moving at any given moment, like a transit chart. Um, and then there's another chart. There are many other charts that we would use, but another kind of chart um, in a reading we would use is called a solar return chart, which looks at where the planets are when the sun reaches the same position it was when you were born. So that will dictate, you know, what your year ahead will look like. So there's a there, you know, this this natal chart, the progress chart. Those are two that. Uh, most astrologers or many astrologers use in their readings, transit charts or other ones, electional charts we use to help you choose a really good day to do a specific event. Um, mundane charts will look at the birth of an organization or a nation. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways you can use astrology. Um, which is also one of the things I love about you. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but you have so many insights as to what is going on. We've all had a really kind of rough couple of years, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But let me go back to some basics. Um, just talk about the difference between sun sign and rising sign, because I know that for many people that gets very confusing. So usually astrologers, and you'll hear this in the culture now because so many people are familiar with how astrology works, but the sun sign is, you know, the sign. When people ask you, what is your sign? They're asking you what degree and where in the sky was your 
what was the sun when you were born. So if you were born, you know, January 20th, like I was, you're going to have a zero degree Aquarius sun and people are going to say, what's your sign? I'm going to say, I'm an Aquarius. But if I am a little bit more familiar with how the natal chart works, which a lot of people are, you'll say, what's, what are your big three? And they're talking about the sun, moon, and rising sign. And those are the sort of the core parts of the personality. When we look at the chart, we look at those first. The ascendant is the rising sign, is the zodiac sign that was on the horizon as you were born, the actual horizon, land horizon. Um, it's the zodiac sign that was, you know, just coming up and it describes, you know, the outward expression of self. It describes the way you appear, the look of the body. It can describe health issues if you have any. Um, and it describes kind of how you assert your personality. So it's often a, a people can often see your rising sign before they even see your sun sign, depending on your chart. Right. Um, and then the moon sign is the other one, which describes the inner life, the more personal side uh, of your personality, the part of you that needs, you know, how you need to be nurtured, your relationship with your mother, the way that you care for yourself or not, the kind of diet you need. The moon can tell you, the moon sign can tell you all that. And that's also, you know, what sign in the zodiac the moon happened to be when you were born. So this is really about creating greater self-awareness, just understanding of the self and the self's natural inclination to act in certain ways or behave in certain ways. It's another roadmap that anybody who wants to develop self-awareness should be looking into. Did I get that's, that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's that's the most useful way to use astrology, although it is predictive and there are ways that you can use it to give yourself a head start on some of the trends coming into your life. I think um, it's most useful. And I think most astrologers come to it originally because they're on a personal growth journey. They're on a self exploration journey and it gives you insight and validation about your personality, about your upbringing, about challenges you've experienced in your life. It can help you, you know, point to a moment in time and say, that really was as bad as I thought it was, or yeah, that really was uh, as life-changing as I thought it would be. And and it just kind of helps give you context for your whole um, experience. Okay, this is a great lead into the question I almost asked you earlier, which is, um, and again, full disclosure, because I, I study with you and I just follow you so closely because you've always got such wisdom and such information. Mm -hmm. uh, you have been talking about the last three years that we went through and that there was some similar planetary configurations during our most recent pandemic that showed yeah. up earlier times in history. Can yeah. you please talk to that so that we all know yeah. what just happened? Right. So this, the main thing that went on um, in 2020 that astrologers looked at years before and were like, oh, that's probably going to suck, um, was Saturn, <laughs> Jupiter and Pluto all conjoined in the sign of Capricorn. And it sort of is a signature in the past for pandemics. Um, and there's one particular astrologer, I was going to see if I had his book here near me. I can't, I don't see it. Um, his last name is Barbeau. He's a French astrologer who died in 2019 before his um, predictions, um, his prescient predictions came to pass. But he had studied the outer planets. And when I say the outer planets, we're talking about um, Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, um, and had seen a correlation between the Spanish flu, the AIDS epidemic, um, the, I believe it was the Hong Kong flu of 1969, and the pandemic that we just, the COVID-19 pandemic, and he had made a prediction. He's become, I mean, he was famous before, but he's become very famous and revered since this 2019 prediction proved true. Yeah. It's so essential to um, realize that life does repeat and right. that there are so many influences. Um, we kind of touched on this, but I really do want to talk about this as well. Uh, at the very beginning of the human race, 
we lived in darkness during the night. We woke up with the sun coming up. We went to bed with the sun going down. And when there was a solar eclipse, uh, and there's some written history of this, but it even goes a little bit further into the history of humankind where solar eclipses were just frightening, frightening things for people. And today we do pay attention to them. And we just went through a series of solar eclipses. Can you just shed a little light about what was going on with that North Node in Taurus and that South Node in Scorpio? Those, yeah, those so, eclipses? Yeah. Yeah. So every year we have a an eclipse series and they will often be mainly in one um, in in one axis of signs. So a sign, two different signs that happen to be polar opposites on the zodiac. And this last year we had um, the Taurus Scorpio um, cycle. Now eclipses will happen in those same areas of life and we when we're interpreting a natal chart we're looking at okay where do taurus and scorpio happen to appear in your natal chart that's where you're going to be seeing you know dynamic and sometimes unsettling change and transformation and for us these um scorpio taurus eclipses um in fact i just finished a um an article for the mountain astrologer about this do happen to correlate with a lot of racial disharmony and you know changes in how uh, at least in the united states we deal with racial relations um it, it ha happens to date all the way back to when um, enslaved people were first brought to the united states but so this this scorpio taurus eclipse cycle in general um is really about you know, we can speak to how it, it has to do with wealth and abundance and stability, which would be the, the Taurus aspect. And then the um, it's really the haves and have nots is kind of how I would see it. And so when we have eclipses in any area, but in particular in these areas, those themes in the culture become very, very strong and they become areas of disruption, particularly because in this case, we had Uranus. So eclipses in general are, you know, when we're talking about historically, they're really feared as omens, very grave omens. And we would, you know, in history, in fact, if an eclipse happened to affect a king's chart in a really um, terrible way, the people, you know, around the king would basically they have this weird practice that, and I'm going to attribute this to Chris Brennan, who has mentioned this on his uh, astrology podcast. They would actually make someone else king for a day so that that leader would not be subject to the astro bad astrology. And then after that eclipse was over, they would just kill that other guy that this poor person they just dragged off the street and made king so that the real king would not be affected by the astrology because in, in astrology mundane astrology the sun is represented by the king and if the sun the sun is correlates to the king if the sun is is experiencing any negative astrology and an eclipse would be negative astrology then that's going to bode very poorly for the king so yeah, eclipses have a bad ra reputation. They, they, there are some astrologers who advise you not to view an eclipse because it is not good karma. It, do, it, it doesn't, it can create chaos in your life. Um, you know, eclipses can launch you forward though. I've noticed that it can be, you know, if you are willing to let go of something that you've been cherishing, where the South Node is and move forward into this really unfamiliar territory with courage, then you can really work with an eclipse. Um, but it's oftentimes eclipses are just very um, anxiety ridden, you know, kind of scary periods of time. So Gina, I know that there are gonna be listeners who are, how do I connect with Gina Piccolo? What's the easiest way for people to reach out to you? So you can find me on my website, ginapiccoloastrology.com. I'm also on Instagram, same handle, Gina Piccolo Astrology, and I'm on Patreon, Gina Piccolo Astrology. So I do a weekly live every Sunday on Instagram, and then I post that for my Patreon members. I post a longer version of that with horoscopes 
Um, but yeah, that's that's the easiest way to reach me. So for everybody who's listening and not watching, it's Gina, G-I-N-A-P-I-C-C-A-L-O, astrology.com. And the Sunday readings are awesome. I'm on the West Coast, so I'm dragging myself out of bed <laughs> with my cup of coffee at 9 a every Sunday to listen to Gina, which is really fantastic. Um, I want to get a little bit more personal with you, if it's okay. You did a career transition, which a lot of people would sort of go, well, veteran journalists, it's all about the facts. It's all about checking every source. It's all about the hard data. And you moved into astrology. Um, random question, not so random. Did you see that in your chart? Has you started, started to study astrology? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I have, um, you know, I'm an Aquarius. Um, so that's a, a very um, astrology kind of, of sign. It's also a very scientifically minded sign. And though I'm not very good at math, I do have a, a head for systems, which is kind of a an Aquarius thing. Um, I also have a, a Pisces moon, which which does make me a little bit more squishy on the inside than I am on the outside and much more inclined towards the metaphysical uh, than the average Aquarius, really. So yeah, I definitely saw it in my chart. And so as you started to do that transition, what was that one thing that really told you, go for it? Well, you know, it was a very gradual process. I started um, as a as a you know young reporter in my early twenties, and I was looking for um, you know stories that would make a splash. Um, and I happened to pitch a story to a, a local alt weekly about me going to different psychics and astrologers and and kind of making fun of them. To be honest, like I, I really thought I was just going to go out and and get some free readings, which I really wanted to do, but then use my journalistic voice to kind of poo-poo the whole endeavor. And um, what ended up happening is I had uh, past life regressionists, psychics, tarot readers, and astrologers. And one astrologer in particular, Vivian Carroll, who is retired, but um, she actually pinpointed an event in my own childhood that I was shocked. It was the pivotal moment. And I just was like, how, how is that possible? Like I walked in, she didn't know anything but my name and my profession, um, obviously my birth data, but she had no background on me and could just quickly like look at these funky symbols and, and tell me something so deeply personal. So I was intrigued. This was in the early nineties before the internet. And so I just started, I mean, the internet was there, but it wasn't like, you couldn't look anything up on it. Nobody else was using it except for like total computer science nerds. So anyway, I would just spend all my free time in this little new age bookstore. And I just started buying books and I ended up teaching myself how to create my own charts. And so through the nineties, I continued to pursue journalism and worked really hard to, you know, constantly get up every rung. And then, um, in private, I would be consulting my own. I didn't tell any of my journalist friends that I did this. Then when my daughter was born, um, you know, things shifted for me quite a bit. And as a lot of parents will tell you, it becomes sort of a reckoning with your own childhood when you have your first kid. Um, so I actually started to write a memoir um, and in the course of writing that memoir and trying to make sense of my own childhood, I returned to my chart and I started seeking readings much more frequently um, and, you know, sought readings from astrologers who I asked, you know, can you tell me what was going on with my parents when they got divorced? And they would look at that chart and kind of be able to peer in peer through time and peer into the psyches of my parents to kind of give me feedback and it was you know so uh meaningful to me that i started to study it more in relation to my daughter you know i wanted to know okay well let's let's dig into her natal chart but i didn't know enough and so i eventually in 2012 um enrolled in kepler college to get certification i didn't Originally, honestly, I didn't think I was going to practice professionally. I just wanted to learn. And 
then I kind of found some friends uh, who were also into astrology. We started meeting regularly and then they started asking me to do readings for them. And, and it just kind of snowballed. And then, you know, I worked for the LA Times when the newspaper was just crumbling and people were getting laid off literally every quarter. And um, I decided to, to leave to be home with my daughter and I, I suddenly had more time. So I really dug into the studies and had the opportunity to, you know, kind of transition over the course of, I'm going to say five years before I was just, just reading charts. If you were going to say something to your younger self, when you started this process with what you know now, what would you say to your younger self? What piece of advice would you give her? About the career transition or just in general? Either one, actually both. I want to hear both. You know, I think I was really judgmental. I think I had a real uh, built-in judgment about metaphysical practitioners, even though I secretly craved being a part of that. So I would definitely ask or suggest, because I know she was very stubborn and wouldn't listen to anyone else, <laughs> say, you know, keep it really open mind because uh life is going to take you life can take you in really unexpected places and try to suspend judgment about these practices that seem woo woo to you now um you know can be really life-changing and and beautiful for you in the future i don't know i i i think about when when people ask this question i think i wouldn't have listened to anybody so <laughs> It would have been pointless. <laughs> uh, but no, I would say, yeah, open mind, suspend judgment, probably, and be easier on yourself. Oh, God, I think that's something that all of us could tell ourselves as we, you know, our younger selves, but also today, most definitely. Um, I just want to jump back a little bit. Well, let me go into this question. There's so, there's so much to talk about here. This is like so rich. So science, art, system. Where do you fall in that timeline, in that continuum? Um, I think that it's, it is a system for sure. And there is some legit science. This is where the Aquarius in me is like, you know, I, I can say, I understand why people call it a pseudoscience because the research isn't there. You know that there have there was a huge movement in the 80s um some in the 70s even carl jung tried to prove astrology scientifically and that they were unsuccessful does that mean it's not um uh, uh there's not an abundance of anecdotal evidence no i mean it doesn't mean that it's not useful at all no but i i think i tend more towards the art and intuition um, and the idea of using the, the chart as an opening uh, to the energetic connection that we have as, as human beings to one another. So it's a really good jumping off point. It's a really good um, um, way to structure a conversation about a person's destiny and, a, and their direction in life. Um, and it's an and it's wonderful for um, ameliorating suffering when yeah. you're in a really difficult transit. Um, but I think that that if you look at like uh, a bad astrologer can do a tremendous amount of harm. And so there's a lot of and honestly, that's one of the motivating factors of why I became an astrologer, because I had several really shitty readings and finally was like, I'm just going to learn this myself. Um, it takes a certain amount of, you know, interpersonal skill and, and it does take some counseling training. It does take some understanding of, of the way that people project the oracle archetype onto you and the responsibility that that carries. And it does require that you understand um, trauma a little bit and understand not, you know, just because you see it in the chart doesn't mean you need to drag it out of somebody. Um, and it's a nuanced it's a nuanced process doing a reading and i think that astrology is something that needs to be handled with care with training and 
I'd say really solid training from credible sources, not TikTok, right? Uh, <laughs> no. But that's a lot of people are learning that way. Yeah, now. And, un unfortunately. Not that there's no quality astrology on TikTok, TikTok, but it's important to have a really structured program uh, and, and a you know master astrologer teacher because I think there's too much room for this to be misused. Uh, or to just to be ignorant about the power that it has, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to, as you pointed out, and this is one of the things that I find you so skilled in, because let me just acknowledge, I've been to so many different astrologers. And when I found you, I was like, no, she's my astrologer. You have a very intuitive way of meeting the client where they are mm -hmm. and sharing the information in a way that the client can hear it, understand it, and then step into their agency and actually take action. Um, so again, Gina, how can people reach you? Because I know you've got a special offer, but before we even talk about that, just please give your website again. It's GinaPiccoloAstrology.com. And Piccolo is, it's G-I-N-A-P-I-C-C-A-L-O Astrology.com. Karma, South Node, Dharma, North Node. Did I get that right? Yes, yes. So karma is uh, it, another way of thinking of it is the, the past life or the upbringing or the ancestry, the, the, the kind of experiences that you were taught as a child um, and that as a result gave you some coping techniques or some um, skill in that area. That's usually the south node. It's where you're comfortable, um, where you have, you know, you go to that place um automatically habitually right the north node is where we're longing to go but we're afraid where we require courage where we need to um get new skills to really advance into but it's kind of where our soul is destined to to go to to achieve the most and to receive the most um good luck and opportunity and prosperity it's almost like the ability to reach our full potential as human beings in this lifetime if we understand our influences in our north node did i get that right exactly and and if you resist the temptation to go and stay stuck in the south node and so the the south node and the north node also are in certain zodiac signs so if you know this placement and you know the traits of those signs then you can exercise those of the, the North Node more actively uh, while resisting the temptation to cope or use the South Node traits uh, or lean on those as much because those are really where you're most comfortable. Right. So get out of our comfort zones. Um, mm -hmm. I have to ask you this question, and I know we haven't talked about it, but could you just run through all of the signs and give a little thumbnail signature for each so people who are listening can go, oh, I'm an Aries. Oh, I should watch out for that. Or, sure. oh, great. Yeah, that would their, be their fantastic. Their personality traits. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, sure. So Aries is a fire sign, a fire cardinal sign. It is um, a you know, the, the courageous sort of uh, get it done, just do it kind of energy. Um, they like to, to, you know, they tend to be, I think of them as like the tip of the spear, you know, they go for it. They don't mind being first. In fact, they prefer that. Um, Taurus is an earth fixed sign. They're a little bit more um, deliberate in how they move through life. They like to have things planned out they like to be comfortable and oftentimes in control but they're very sensual and enjoy like really good food and beauty oftentimes tourists you can spot a tourist because they tend to carry the the shine or the sparkle of venus in their appearance um gemini is um ruled by mercury it's a mutable air sign so gemini is the archetype of the journalist the communicator the student they love to exchange information they love to they love change they like to change it up constantly they like to be moving around in their lives and constantly meeting new people and having conversation that's actually relaxing for them so they're highly social cancer is a uh, ruled by the moon and is a cardinal water sign they are very home family oriented um, they can be somewhat 
uh, security conscious as well, and not easy to um, immediately get to know because they can be very self-protective because they're very emotionally uh, sensitive and can often be vulnerable. And sometimes that vulnerability can go into um, self-pity if they're not careful. Um, Leo is a fixed fire sign ruled by the sun and it is very um, outgoing and um, creative and often magnanimous and generous. It's the sign, the archetypal sign of the king or queen, the person who likes to be the center of attention. That's not always true for every Leo, but it is sort of like the the kind of stereotype. Uh, Leos will get their feelings hurt really easily if they are sidelined uh, and they like to be appreciated for their generosity. They are not anonymous uh, about their generosity. They want people to say that, you know, validate that. Um, Virgo is a earth mutable and it is uh, ruled by Mercury also. They are very grounded, practical, practical and often uh, oriented to help. They're sort of the helpers of the Zodiac. Um, they are also very health conscious, I've found, and can be um, really good at analyzing data. So Mercury ruled Gemini gathers the data. Mercury ruled Virgo analyzes the data. They become very discerning about information uh, and good at research. And these are all generalities because when we talk about sun signs, which is what I'm talking about right now, we're not talking about the whole natal chart. So some of right. this might resonate, some of it might not. Um, Libra is a Venus ruled air sign. Um, and Venus uh, in, in Libra is very oriented to compromise, oriented to fairness, um, and can be somewhat social as well. Um, I see online they get a really bad reputation for being superficial. Um, the Karda Kim Kardashian is like a super Libra, um, very appearance oriented, liking things to have a, an aesthetic and to be very harmonious aesthetically. Um, relationship oriented is another one for Libra. And then Scorpio is a fixed water sign ruled by Mars. They tend to be more private, um, more oriented inward and can sometimes hide because they like to be in the shadows, in the background. Um, they're, they can be very intense. Scorpios get a really bad reputation for, for being um, intense and, and can be somewhat strategic and also cutting and um, they, they like to get their revenge. They can be, you do a, a Scorpio wrong and, and they will never forget that. Um, uh, but they are extremely loyal on top of that. Scorpios are some of my favorite people. Um, and then uh, Sag, Sagittarius, which is a mutable uh, fire sign, which is ruled by Jupiter, is kind of all over the place. They love to socialize. They love to explore. They love to have adventures. They love to learn new things. They're very philosophical. They need physical activity to feel, you know, whole and comfortable. Um, and they they are like Gemini, you know, ideas oriented. They like to um, talk through big ideas. Oftentimes, um, you know, they can be a little bit know-it-all on the shadow side. They can tend to think they know everything, um, but they do often know a lot. So, uh, and then there is uh, Capricorn, which is a mutable, uh, sorry, a cardinal Earth sign. And... Um, is ruled by Saturn. So Capricorns are the CEOs, the entrepreneurs. Um, st strikingly, I see a lot of Capricorn, strong Capricorn signatures and some really famous celebrities, which you wouldn't necessarily see, but then think, think you would see, you'd think, oh, they're all Leos, but it takes a lot of focus and a lot of stamina and commitment to do that, you know, to, to get famous in the first place. Um, they are practical um, and they are um, they can be somewhat of a um, Debbie Downer. You know, that's their shadow side, you know, practical to the point of being like glass half empty people. Um, and then there's Aquarius. Um, it's a fixed air sign rule, also ruled by Saturn. Modern astrologers say that it's ruled co-ruled by Uranus. Um, I don't tend to, the longer I practice, I don't really think that's, I don't believe that Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. Aquarians, you know, uh, the stereotype is, oh, they're so kooky and weird. 
but they are ruled by Saturn. You will see a lot of Aquarians and I, you know, I am an Aquarius, so full disclosure, um, but they are really uh, focused and fixed and um, quite stubborn. They are not uh, flexible, these, these Aquarians. They are very scientifically minded, intellectual, and also quite um, social. They like to see the big picture. They like to think of things in terms of, you know, global, uh, global, ideas they aren't they aren't as in you know sometimes they get a reputation for being aloof one-on-one -on -one because everybody is their best friend um kind of thing and then there's pisces which is um ruled by jupiter it is a mutable water sign and it's the um end of the zodiac which you can say kind of contains all the signs within it um, which may be why some pisces can seem a little spacey sometimes there are they are in touch with the oneness the the all that is that um collective consciousness they are very um very sensitive very very creative um and they can feel all the pain of the world you you can see uh pisces signatures in some um tortured artists um but they can be also a lot of fun great dancers uh great musicians um and really funny. I, as some of the funniest actors out there are Pisces Risings. Um, so they don't often get, you know, Jupiter ruled Sag and Pisces, uh, I think often are the comedian types also. I, that That is so brilliant. Um, I was talking about Mercury in retrograde as being something that even people who don't follow astrology know about. Mm -hmm. And you have a very practical approach that is just so reassuring. I know because you're a writer, you have created so many ebooks and downloads. And I'd really like you to talk just briefly about Mercury retrograde. What's an easy mindset reset when facing Mercury retrograde, whatever your sign is? Yeah, I think it's good to um, be introspective during Mercury retrograde to go within to slow way down. Um, you know, mainly I think people get in trouble when they are trying to accomplish too much while Mercury is retrograde um, because it tends to want us to think through things more thoroughly um, and not have a false sense of urgency. It's, it's really an energy that requires thoughtfulness in all things. Um, it tends to be a time when, you know, initiating new relationships, new purchases, new um, jobs it is not the best time to do that. If, if you have to um, start a new job, buy a house, I, I wouldn't recommend getting married on a Mercury retrograde, but sometimes that happens. It just means that, you know, the, the, the energy of redoing something or editing something or um, starting over again and again is going to be built into that that thing, that relationship, that job. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, doom that project to, you know, terrible experience. It just means it's a little bit hampered in the communication area. Gina, I want to talk a little bit about your monthly uh, webinars, which are just so brilliant. You do an astrology for the month and they were so helpful during this whole period of lockdown. Mm. I'd like to ask you an open-ended question about what you see are some positive things coming up specifically for women and specifically for an area I focus on getting greater diversity in leadership, specifically getting more women of all colors into roles of higher leadership so we can create the change that makes the difference so needed at this time in the world. Could you do mm -hmm. just a little forecast there for us? Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, one of the signatures I would point to is Uranus in Taurus. And this is a transit that started back in 2018 and will last, I think, pretty much through 2025. And this is the signature where we can see disruption happening in feminism, in the way that women are um, basically rebelling against uh, any kind of inhibited uh, structures that are asking them to, you know, adhere to the patriarchy. Um, you know, I think it was a really huge 
uh, the, you know, sort of started off with that women's march being, you know, indicative of the kind of energy of Uranus and Taurus. Um, you know, we also have this year Saturn in a feminine sign as well. So um, that bodes well, I think, for some new structures coming in to um, help support some of that disruption that's been happening. Um, you know, I think that the change that's coming down the pike uh, in terms of um, women's rights, um, you know, reproductive rights, obviously, this uh, battle is really just getting started. And I think there's going to be a continued fight towards more diversity. That's just where we're headed, um, whether it's diversity by ethnicity or gender um, or non-binary, you know, gender not being an issue. I think that Uranus and, and Taurus is really here to kind of blow apart the old way of even seeing the body, you know, even seeing gender. I think that, that this is all part of Uranus and Taurus. Um, and then this year we also have Pluto moving into Aquarius, which is only a taste of basically a whole new era um, that will carry us through the 2040s. So, you know, we get a little bit of an indication of how the power is moving to the people. That would be the most simplistic way of describing Pluto and Aquarius. Um, and, you know, again, disruption of the norm, disruption of the normal way of doing things. So um, I would definitely say that, you know, the other thing we could point to is Venus is going to transit Leo in 2023 for four whole months. Venus represents women uh, in Leo. Women are fired up, you know, so we could see um, some, you know, leadership, women in leadership. And I will say, this is reminding me uh, in the webinar that I'm doing Saturday on um, the astrology of February that I'm going to touch on Kamala Harris's chart. And I don't know if I'm, am I pronouncing that right? Kamala or is it Kamala? Kamala. Kamala. Um, because she is really coming into a big phase of her career. And we may see some astrologers believe that she may take over for Biden before his um, term is up. But, you know, definitely as, as, as women in leadership are concerned, her ascent, which is certainly suggested by the astrology, is going to help, you know, like having a woman in the top position uh, of the U.S. government um, or the yeah. second top, you know, it's definitely, I think she's just getting started. So I would say that women in leadership, women of color and leadership are definitely kind of on schedule to have more advocacy. Um, for Fantastic. Sure. Fantastic. Because let's just acknowledge we are, the world is in trouble. <laughs> Whether yeah. we look at available drinking water for everybody mm -hmm. or climate change, uh, all of it, Mm -hmm. We need we need new, new leadership. Now, I also know that you have a very special offer. I want to ask you about that because tell us about your offer, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I am um, I do this once a, a quarter where I offer free 15 minute readings um, to folks at this point who are trying out my Patreon membership. And fortunately, Patreon just made that you could try it for free for seven days. Um, so if you are interested, I would go to the Patreon page and you can, I think also link through my ginapiccoloastrology.com, but just go to patreon.com, type in ginapiccoloastrology, um, and you should be able to join that. You can also go to my Instagram and, uh, go that route, but I'm offering free 15 minute readings for all new members of my Patreon page. Great. And Patreon for everybody who's listening is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Correct. Dot com. Type in Gina Piccolo, two season Piccolo. I just want to speak really briefly here about my experience of your program. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most helpful things in my life as a solopreneur to understand when to launch a new project, when to take a step back. Um, I've been working on a manuscript for uh, two years now. I, I <laughs> took a year off. But just to know, hey, here's a positive date where you can take action, or here's a date where you want to just 
step back a little bit, give yourself some breathing room, show some self-compassion and to actually know, oh, there's a reason I don't have energy or there's a reason I'm so energized. Mm -hmm. So for everybody listening, check out, just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, type in Gina Piccolo, it will get you to her. And I so highly recommend you tune in on Instagram this Sunday, 9A Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. Gina will do an overview for the week. And then if you join her Patreon course, you'll get your own specific astrological horoscope for the week. Gina, it has been my absolute pleasure having you. You know, I mean, I, I as I told you, I was going to fangirl out and mm -hmm. you have been one of the most, um, I'll say, important and strategic guides in my life since I huh. met you. Thank yeah, you. seriously. I mean, uh, your, your compassion and your understanding of the human psyche and the human heart are really, really powerful and you're very compelling. Thank you so much. Well, you're an absolute wonderful host and client. I love working with you. I'm not going to reveal your chart, but you know, one of the things that I love about my clients is that they are here for the growth. Like they are, and, and that's you, Lisa. You're like you're really invested in improving and digging in. Um, you know, and and take take going into the deepest part of your own development. And, you know, that makes my job so much easier and so much of a pleasure. So feelings mutual. I so appreciate you. So for everybody listening, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Type in Gina Piccolo, Gina, G-I-N-A, Piccolo, P-I-C-C-A-L-O, and just take advantage of this awesome offer. You, if you're confused, or if you're really clear about what you're doing in either event, Gina is the real deal. And mm -hmm. I should know because I've been chasing astrologers for the last meh, 35 years or so. <laughs> yeah, a little bit longer. Gina, thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at Big Sky, B I G S K Y dot coach. Lisa at Big Sky dot coach. Thanks for listening.